S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another podcast, that podcast with Sammy Rye. And I'm joined by a special guest this week, uh, one of my great friends, uh, the Wheel Deal, Anthony Wheeler. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good, man. It's good to see you, man. You and me, we've talked, I think, I think it's been like 10 years. We floated around the idea of sitting down one day doing a podcast. This is big. I think it's big for me. I'm excited. Over a decade in the making. Um, and remember, remember the time that we sat down with Pete and Juan at, I think, uh, the apartment I had at Consulting and yeah. we tried a podcast? <laughs> that was almost 10 years ago. I remember it was, uh, we had the headphones on, and that yeah. was when, like, auto-tune was real big, and it was <laughs> auto-tune, and, <laughs> and it was, like, listening. Oh, the auto-tune podcast. Yeah. You're right. And oh, listening back to it, I remember, like, at first I was like, oh, whatever, we can do it, and I was, like, half-ass interested. And I remember we were talking, and I wasn't really paying attention. And then it was my turn to speak, and I heard myself echo. <laughs> and it was like, hold on, fuck the podcast. What, what is this? Yeah. It was like, it threw me off because I was like, kept hearing myself echo. So it was like, you guys would be podcasting. And I remember I would just talk yeah. out of turn just so I could hear myself echo. <laughs> was like, I was like, kid. I, I got headphones for the setup, but um, I don't use them because I don't feel like they're helpful. I, I feel like they're kind of distracting. Mm. So I have a head, I got like splitters and headphones and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really a need for them so some people said some people say they like to hear themselves mm-hmm. like if I come across like a, a professional he might be like where my headphones at I'm like I don't know so so far everyone I've done it with they don't care but I guess it is distracting to hear your voice through the machine for me it would because yeah. I know like my voice can be nasally <laughs> so like if I'm hearing it and then you put some effects behind that it's like hold on like but it's cool I mean I, I don't mind it without it it's a funny thing like I remember thinking myself like when I was younger and we were doing rap basically I have I guess a more like high pitch kind of voice sometimes especially when I get hyper right mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, um, I was like, man, I would have like a horrible voice for a podcast. I feel like usually radio hosts are like, like welcome to WBFF. Like that's like that's how <laughs> voice kind of is, right? Yeah. I was like, my voice is the opposite. So no one wants to hear it. So when I made it and put it out, um, I didn't know who would listen to it and what kind of feedback I would get. I kind of just did it, and I had some coworkers, just like more than one, tell me like. Hey, you have a great podcasting voice. I was like, really? Like, I actually did not want to do this for a long time because I thought I had the worst voice for radio, basically. Yeah. And then people were like, no, it sounds great. Um, I think also, too, it's like if you're excited and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I don't want to put him on put him on blast in case he's listening. I remember we had a friend who was a singer, right? He, I mean, I'm sure he's like, he's squirming in his seats if he's listening to this. And, and I remember he's like, I can sing. I sing really good. And then I invited him to my house to actually put him on recording. And when he was recording, himself he was not enjoying that at all so that never went anywhere but i remember, I remember, I remember being so shocked by it but it's hard it's hard to record yourself yeah. and hear your voice it's a it's a very weird experience yeah, yeah. i'm always surprised when i i'll hear someone voice and before you see what they look like you kind of picture it in your head like man i wonder like you you make up this like image yeah and then when you see and you're like shit like the voice will never match. I feel like the uh, like the Bubba face. Sparks. I feel like we do my Bubba Sparks yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bubba Sparks, you, right? You, you, you listen to me like that doesn't match, and it throws you off. But yeah. then, like I guess some people, like you said, like they just have that voice for like you know, I guess the microphones or podcasts, or whatever. It's weird how that works out sometimes, right? Yeah. You hear a voice, and I, I mean, I work, I work with phones a lot. That's another one, right? Where you hear people on the phones. And you kind of can picture who they are because you can't see their face. And mm-hmm. sometimes you might even talk to someone multiple times. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're a complete stranger. It's not like Facebook's involved. I never get to see your face, but I know your name. I've talked to you a few times, and I, I'm just making up in my head how you look. But it's not how you look. It's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. The best is when you finally see that person, and you, it don't matches at all, and it throws <laughs> you off to the point you kind of like you're still shocked, even though you're still in front of that person. Like, yeah, big person with a real 
small voice or a big person with a high pitched voice, like puberty just stopped halfway. Yeah. And it's like, man, this is fucking weird. I remember one but, funny thing I had uh, is there was a guy I used to play a guy who played a game called Star Wars Online, and this is back in like nineteen. 19- '99 or like the early 2000s, and mm-hmm. we're playing on the computers. The first real computer game I ever played, and in that group, and there was a group inside of it where we're all playing Star Wars. You can create your character. And I think that's always the interesting thing. People create their characters, but it's kind of a private thing. Like you make yeah. your character, you look however you want to look, right? So I remember the guy who ran the group, it was really cool. He looked like Morpheus. He was a bald black guy, right? He had a, he had a gray beard, right? It's a real cool guy. I remember I love the Matrix. So this guy looks like Morpheus and he's my leader. I'm like doing missions for him. And he was a really great guy. But there's like no mic support. We're just typing basically, right? This is like 2000. So before PlayStation, before MySpace, all that stuff, right? So I never thought that he wasn't a black guy with a gray beard. I just assumed that's how he looked. My character looked like me. I created my character look like me. So then like years, years later, I get a message. I mean, I'm talking like 10, 15 years later. I get this random message on MySpace because my video game character was called Listic and on MySpace my MySpace was called Listic because that, that became like a rap name for me at a while so someone searches me and finds me and he's like hey this is like Foss from Star Wars and he's like a white dad looks like me with like brown hair a beard this is like this really smiley guy I'm like you were you were the Foss like his name was Foss I think in the video game he was like yeah I'm talking to him it's like talking to an old friend right you were typing yeah. but now I see your picture and you don't look anything like that which is hilarious to me and it's like I don't even know why they did that but I imagine when we made the characters he never thought 15 years later we'd be on MySpace together or Facebook going into Facebook basically at the time Facebook was out but um, he found me for some reason on MySpace I guess he was still using MySpace but yeah seeing his face I was like oh that's that's not how I pictured you for like a decade (laughs) basically creating characters on games is always like interesting because like you said it's like private so like when you create a character I know like for like wrestling for instance like you can create a character and you can create yourself and it's kind of like I'm a base around how I look. And then you create like just random characters. You may create an old wrestler that's not on the game or yeah. just a person you make up. But when you find that people that make that created in that situation, he created a character that looks nothing like him. Yeah. And but he uses his name. Yeah. And then you finally like get to that point, you're like, is that how you really see yourself? Like, <laughs> like what was that? What was like, yeah, it's like, hold on, yeah. did, you, did you like that character you created so much that you just put your name on it? Or is that how you see yourself? Yeah. And it's yeah. always funny. I remember when um 2K was big back. Like, well, 2K is still big, but I remember this is like pre like internet days where like my friends would like always come over and we would create our characters on the game, and we would just create characters like you know like not necessarily how you saw yourself, but like you know just for the game I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it was always like four of us who used to do it, and two of them would make their guys however they wanted whatever position they wanted to play. I was always like going to the extreme. I make my guy like seven foot tall point guard, <laughs> crazy handle and can shoot jump shots. So it was like, yo, this is so unfair. Yeah. And then I remember we had one friend. I don't know why he just thought he had to make it true to himself. Mm-hmm. So he was like five ten, yeah. like one hundred and seventy pounds, mm-hmm. and like he could not like when we play the creative player. Like all our stats are like super duper high. His was like a sixty eight average, <laughs> and we would get so mad when he was on our team. Like I don't want him. Like you got to pick somebody else. Like you yeah. got to pick a real person or. Like change your guy up, but he was like, "No, nah, I'm being true to the game." I'm like, this is a fucking game. Like, no, like we're not doing that. Like, I, all right, like this is. I do that sometimes. Like, yeah, <laughs> but it's and it's it's funny because it's like, I get it. It's just a game. We're having fun, but it's like, yeah. come on, like just play a little bit. Yeah, like you know, like but it, it always the creative character thing is always great. Um, Rashid came over the first time I was hanging out with Rashid. 
he we didn't grow up playing games together. We met each other at work, right? Mm. So I have no idea what his history of video games are <laughs> or, or his and mine's, right? He actually played basketball. Mm. So he came over and for like a, maybe two months I was trying out one of the two Ks. I think Sony gave it away for free. Mm. So I made myself and I have had games, I think like NBA Street, I was kind of like me, but it's NBA Street, so you could like fly through the air and dunk on people, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. So in 2K, I always I always look at that in basketball games. I'm about 5'6", right? And some games won't let you be 5'6". They're like, you have to be like 5'9". We didn't like do motion capture for anyone like smaller than that, right? So in 2K, I was surprised. I could be 5'6". So I'm 5'6". I have a whole career based off of my character, right? And he comes over. He's sitting down like, yeah, I'll watch you play 2K. He doesn't know what's going to happen, right? And when I come on the screen... He's so confused. He's like coming at me like, "Why is your guy so small?" I'm like, "Oh, like that's how that's how big I am." Like I'm just like, "Isn't that how I'm supposed to be?" Because like, you can't even play in the NBA at five six, right? Because he's, he's taller. I think he's like six four. I think you told me, right? He's kind of laughing. He's clowning me. It bothered him so much. He said when he went home, he started googling like the shortest people in the NBA, and he called me like, "Oh, actually, I'm surprised, Lou. Like there's a few people in the NBA that are that small. They're actually not that bad necessarily. I didn't realize how small they were. I was like, see, I could do." It, I could be in the NBA and be five six. So I guess that was again another, another time. Someone was like, "Why are you that small in this basketball game?" I was like, "I don't know. I just felt, I felt like it would have been weird if he came over and I was seven foot tall. He might be like." But do you see yourself at seven foot tall? It was that like, false no, thing. That false thing. Yeah. <laughs> it would like, hold on, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't want to advertise myself as being like, I'm not, I like being five six, right? I don't want to make him think that I want to be seven foot tall. But um, yeah, at the same time, he thought it was really weird. And that's the thing with the games. It's kind of like, I guess, because you can. It's kind of like an escape from reality. So it's kind of like if I want to, if I want to make my guy look like this or be this height, it, who cares? It's not real. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, it's like you always kind of revert back to this like common, like common sense or common logic. And it's like, what's going on? Like this isn't this, but it's still just fun, you know. So it's not like you know, it's not a big deal. But it's pretty cool to see. The, the hardest thing I find, and I try to do this because when I'm when I'm working on my screenplays, I have a lot of screenplays that are. are um, centered around like female leads mm -hmm. I think female characters aren't written well enough and I think I have an insight on it right I grew up around women mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of women I feel like um, I can write better female characters than what's been on TV so far so when I play video games when I was younger like I didn't ever want to play Laura Croft like Tomb Raider I mm -hmm. played it but like I just didn't feel like I could connect with the character and to be fair Laura Croft Tomb Raider back in the day wasn't like a fleshed out great character necessarily right mm. I think now they've made more more better female characters you could play um, but I find if I ever try in a video game if I make a female character um, it's weird when again you go online you meet people and then like you have your headset on you're like hey bro how you doing and they're like, why Why are you a female character? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, in this game, like, she's a mage. And I thought, I, I pictured my character being a female in this situation. They're like, you want to talk about that? Like, what's that about? I'm like, no. I just, I just wanted to play female characters. It's 2021. Let me live. No, you don't have to play female, Lou. You can make whatever character you want. I'm like, I, like why you, I, I didn't even think I was going to talk to anybody about this. I was by myself playing the game. Yeah, so I think that's another interesting thing. We're just like, where does that female come from? I know in my head... They all look like Brandon Hildebrand to me, like Negasonic Teenage Warhead from Deadpool. <laughs> For some reason, that's always like the short hair, black hair girl. That's like always the character I end up making. I don't know what that is. But someone's like, that's uh, the, from uh, Resident Evil, right? Like the the, the female from from movies from there. Um, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, yeah. She's she's yeah. kind of like that, right? Like yeah, short dark yeah. hair, it's, like, it's like badass. Athletic, like I like that. I like yeah. that character a lot. I like I like Resident Evil, right? I like Fifth Element. I love Fifth Element. One of my favorite movies ever. 
Um, I like that female that's like, I'm, she's very beautiful, but they're like, I can kick your ass. And mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes there's miscasts where they don't get the right people. But Mila Jolovich, she just did Monster Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. So she's made a career out of being like, she. I think she was a model when they first discovered her, if I'm not wrong. I think uh, Luke Passan discovered her. She was a model. Mm-hmm. So like over the years, though, I feel like... I feel like she'd kick my ass, right? Like, she'd yeah. be beating up monsters and things for, like, a decade or something, right? So I think she works out good. I thought Negasonic, Teenage Warhead from Deadpool, when she was younger in that movie, it was, like, one of her first movies, I think, I was hoping for her that that would, be, that would happen, too. So I guess I saw her, and then when I started thinking of characters, I default a lot to her, like, more recently. Yeah. So I'm playing video games I make a girl like that a lot. But it's hard to explain all that to someone. Yeah. I feel like even if you do, like, A Stranger Online, they're like... No, like inside you're a girl, right? I'm like, no, it's not that. <laughs> I just, uh, it's too much, man. It's too much to try to explain. Now, with the uh, the screenwriting, is that something like the story? Is it only you think it could be adapted that uh, can go for like film or move like film, or do you think it's like possible you can do something for a video game? Oh, I would love, I would love to so see when I started when I started Neochrome back when I was like 13, 14, that around that age, I guess. I, I hated. Um, how video games couldn't become movies and movies couldn't become video games. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. Like from an artistic standpoint, I've had to figure out stories and themes and all like the the art of it, right? But I started off with a very business practical approach to when I sat down to write stories. I was frustrated as a kid. I was like, I I'm tired of like. Like, if you have in a game, like, you respawn in a game. Well, that doesn't make sense in a movie. Why do you die in a video game? You get to come right back, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to sit down. I had, a, I had a short story called Deathmatch, where it was, like, about basically these guys are fighting in an arena. They don't know what they're doing. But basically, it was, like, playing Halo. They're mm-hmm. all basically playing Halo. They're fighting in this arena for everyone to watch them. And when they die, they come back to life, and they don't know why. And then I thought, like, that's cool. Like, what are, like, the psychological problems you would have from that, right? Do you do not fear death? Or do you feel like your life is meaningless because you could just come right back to life, right? Mm -hmm. So I made a whole short story about that as a kid, thinking whatever technology was there, if it exists in my universe, then if I have another story where there's a character who doesn't die come back to life, but we kill him at one point, then a few books later, we can bring him back to life. Because in this universe, I've already established that technology exists on some other planet or something like that. I was like, that's the way you can get to a point where you make video games and movies and the stories make sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that makes fans mad is like this story doesn't make sense yeah so when I do like the different screenplays I always sit down and try to think well what kind of video game could this be or what kind of um, you know movie or TV show could this be and I'll include characters that I think are better suited for some of them mm-hmm. so to give a quick example a screenplay I was working on that I probably won't ever produce at this point I did a concept for Highlander so Highlander if people don't know what Highlander is the main character huh? you love Highlander That's so it's the, the oddest thing like it started off because Paige Turner right my mentor Paige Turner he he's like you should write a screenplay because I, I showed him I wrote Neochrome as a kid right mm-hmm. he's like you should try writing the screenplay this stuff sounds like it'd be fun for a movie as I don't know how to write a screenplay. So he told me how to write a screenplay, and that took two years. And he said, don't think about selling your first screenplay. That mm. might be too difficult, and you might write it for the wrong reasons. He's like, so just write the movie you want to see. And he was like, let's pick something like Highlander. He threw it at me, right? So at the time, I, I liked Highlander. But when he threw it at me, and I had to research it and start figuring it out, like... I didn't think all the Highlander movies, I think Highlander fans would agree, they weren't all that great. There's one of those franchises that like had so much potential, but for some reason all the sequels didn't really work out that well, which is why there's no more Highlander movies pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's, that's fun. Like someone's saying, can you fix this franchise? I'm like, I'm not even a screenwriter, right? Yeah. So 
that I did a lot of research and learning with Highlander. I started to love it because I was learning how to write screenplays while trying to learn how to, in my mind, fix Highlander, right? Mm-hmm. Bring it back in like 2021. So when I was doing that, I still had all my same principles from Neochrome or in, or in that Highlander, which was exciting to me. So like there's the main character who's Connor McCloud. He's an immortal. But then I thought... Well, we've seen him in all these movies, and also he's played by Christopher Lambert, who's I think is a legendary actor to me. And it's hard to replace a great actor. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, Connor can't be the main character, at least not right away, because everyone's going to compare him to Christopher Lambert, and you can't like they're not going to like him, right? Yeah. I think it's a hard thing to do in movies. So I made a girl character. I made mm-hmm. a girl based off in my mind, Brianna Hildebrand's Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I was like, she's an immortal. She doesn't know she's an immortal, and then she like she doesn't even know she used to know Connor, basically. Mm-hmm. So it gives the audience a chance to learn about Highlander again, in case you don't know what it is. Connor still exists in the universe. He ends up being like an ex-boyfriend that she doesn't remember. I did like a memory coma kind of thing with her, basically. Um, and I made another character named Kevin, who was a human, and he was really into technology, kind of like a Tony Stark kind of character. Because mm-hmm. I thought what he would be fun to do is he could have a spinoff on Netflix, like a TV show. So as I'm writing the story, I'm trying to put those things there that hopefully when I talk to a producer, I'm like, yo, I'm not just writing stories, right? Like for just to make a good movie. I'm thinking about the business side of this too. This is this is how these guys can play out. And what Kevin was cool was the immortals, when they kill each other, they take each other's souls, they become stronger. Mm-hmm. I was like, but humans, they're not involved. And I think that's, that's something hard for moviegoers when like there's no point to being human in this universe. It's not as fun. Mm-hmm. You can't become an immortal in that universe. It doesn't really... It doesn't seem like you can become an immortal, which I thought of that for... It's not It's not like leaking anything because I won't sell it, but... Um, the girl, she thinks she's a human because what she did was she went to like a witness protection program where she basically made them kill her. And when she comes back to life, they, she put, they put something in her brain where she can't remember that she's an immortal. She doesn't know she had a previous life. Okay. So it means you could be an immortal. I could be an immortal. Maybe we went through that surgery. We don't know. <laughs> so it's like that kind of might make fans more excited about this because maybe they thought, maybe hopefully don't do this, right? But if I die, maybe I'll come back as an immortal. And then Kevin's character, he was a human. He came with a technology where he could trap immortal souls, like Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And so if we kill you, when your soul goes out to go into the mortal, we can capture that soul, like put it in a jar, basically, and then we can like maybe sell it, or another immortal can come and he can, you know, drink five jars or something like that, basically, and then become really, really strong. Okay. I was like, so like he could be like a <laughs> vampire hunter, basically. And yeah. His show is supposed to be called like Soul Hunter. So his spinoff would be like in between the movies, he's going out with all his technologies that like Batman. And all the stuff he can come up with mm-hmm. how does he capture these warriors who've been fighting for thousands of years they're like the best warriors they're super strong how would he outsmart them and capture them so then if you're a human watching the show and you're like oh, I can't be an immortal maybe you like Kevin and he gets his like Netflix show right mm-hmm. So that, I, and that, that, that's something that they were going to do but that was something I was thinking about at the time like you said how can you branch out into other things Kevin could be a video game maybe in a video game he goes around killing immortals right that could be a fun thing mm-hmm. so that was something that hopefully if you walk into a studio be able to pitch more ideas and just one kind of thing basically uh, yeah i was about to say because like when you pitch it like do you pitch it as a film or do you pitch it just as a story that can kind of go into like a film a show or a game this yeah. is just more like i'm pitching a story with possibilities or are you pitching it as well i have this film i have this show i have this video game yeah kind of seeing where they take it from there I think what happens it depends on the studio. Like I've heard mm-hmm. different conversations. Like I remember, um, 
you know, I think uh, Def Jam was an interesting one. I remember Russell Simmons told a good story about he had some like nephews and their friends. And when they came to the interview, what something he did not like was the nephew was like, oh, I'm a rapper. I have like a rap album I'm doing. Plus, I'm a model. Plus, I like make movies. Plus, I do. And Russell Simmons cut him off like, yo. Like, let's focus on you being a rapper first, right? Like, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're none of these things yet, right? So if you're picturing yourself being, like, these rap moguls, that's great that you have that ambition. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a hot rap album, this is never going to go anywhere. So I heard that side of the argument, right? So, but then I've seen other people, um, like the guy, I don't know all their names, but the director who makes um, Planet of the Apes, who now is making the new Batman movie with uh, Robert Patterson. Yeah. They credit him for being good at world building. So mm-hmm. what he does really well, which is what I like to do, instead of making just your story for your movie, he thinks out how does the whole world work and that's mm. something that a lot of times you don't even get to see in the movie but hopefully they put like little tidbits in there to make the world seem more real mm-hmm. but some movies you watch the world doesn't make sense right so like I love Fifth Element but there's some scenes in there like like oh cars are flying around the whole time and like the bottom of the city is covered in smog and you're like why did that happen I don't know. <laughs> you know, you don't know, right? <laughs> like, well, how do we let that happen? Like, this is like New York, right? They're like, yeah, yeah but we're not going to talk about it. So it's like, is there a book I can go buy? Is there a spinoff? <laughs> like, we're, we're just not going to discuss it. Like, well, that's not great world building necessarily, yeah. right? And so I think what he does is one more. What I like to do is you know, I try to think of how does this whole entire world work? Again, like with Deathmatch, right? If if someone's going to come back to life and on some planet, there's an experiment we're doing where you we're resurrecting people that's how they come back. I've actually explained it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're watching it, you can have a character mention it. You can have the game a, a game or a TV show where they do it, and then you know it exists. So I think like um, some companies are into that. Mm-hmm. Like Warner Brothers has a video game studio, so I think they might be actually interested in that. If you just come in and say, "Hey, I have a show that also be a game," but if you go like the Lionsgate, the people who make Saw, Lionsgate doesn't make video games really. They don't have a video game studio. Mm-hmm. So you're talking to them, they might be like, "Well, that's great." you have an idea for a video game but there's no way we can make it without like licensing it out to some other company we don't know if we could trust them right yeah so I think they'd be less interested so like Netflix I, I'm pretty sure Netflix doesn't care about video games right now they have mm-hmm. no interest in making video games from what I've heard but Disney Disney makes video games but they also kind of license their properties out yeah so they like license out Marvel and I think they have some input but I don't think they're so worried about that but Warner Brothers makes good games yeah so I guess it depends on you know some places you go they're not going to care so much which is why the story has to be good too mm-hmm. if they're like hey this is just going to be a movie man just think about the movie they might say well take that character Kevin out we we don't need him you're kind of like seeding these other things Yeah, take him out and that's the business where you're like okay well Kevin's got to go but then I always know like well then one day I could be in a room with someone else and they got any ideas like a vampire hunter movie Yeah, like I got this guy named Kevin and he hunts <laughs> people that don't die and then I just kind of in the, you know on the fly you would kind of flip it Yeah, like oh well you got like, like bring me something I'm like alright I'll go home and just like try to take his pages out or just try to make him into another character so it's not a waste I think to do all that world building but I know some writers they don't bother with it they just focus on the screenplay and see that's interesting to me because like going back to what you said about the Russell Simmons uh, story to me that's such a like a like an old way of thinking of mm-hmm. like hey all these all these other ideas no not right now focus on one thing like you can only like you gotta love and die by this one idea and it's like hold on why can't I just kind of branch out and spread the spread the yeah. creativity across the board instead of putting all my eggs in one basket yeah. because to me it makes more sense to kind of like alright if I have outside I don't want to say outside interest but if I have other capabilities to possibly you know get a goal yeah. achieved why not do that and it's like you said with the studio thing I think like 
if you go to a studio and you're pitching an idea, in a way, you're pitching a story regardless. Now, if it's best equipped for a game, that's one thing. Or if it's best equipped for a film, that's one thing. But I think ultimately it's a story that's being pitched. And it's, it's just it's just crazy to me that like a, a lot of times places or I want to say like studios or whatever it may be or, you know, creators may just be, you know, they may miss a chance because they feel like they're told no. I feel exactly. like that's a old, that's such an old way of thinking. You know, yeah. like you hear stories about guys like like uh, like Rocky, like Sylvester Stallone when he pitched Rocky. Yeah. How many times did he get told no before someone finally said yeah? Yeah. You know, like he probably had. I'm not saying Rocky's not great, but he probably could have you know done so many other things with that that character in that film. In between being told no so many times, that it probably got to the point where he was like, you know what? At this point, I'm only going to focus on Rocky. Where he probably had other ideas that he probably missed out on because he just was so singularly focused on on Rocky. I agree. You know, and I, I think like as a creator is something that people should definitely be like, all right, well, we have this. It's a foundation. It's a building block. Yeah. What else we got? And then like you just spitball ideas and you kind of just see what else comes, what happens. And if the initial story is strong, go from there, but don't like limit it in one lane. Like just try other, other avenues to see if it's, you know, possible that they can grow from there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's more of a modern way of thinking. I feel like that's kind of where the world is going. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The Netflix thing, like I always listen to podcasts and they talk about how uh, Netflix is kind of like on the ropes now with other streaming uh, streaming services kind of you know putting their own product out. They're putting you know more content out. Like you know uh, Netflix used to be the, the king for it for years. They put Blockbuster under. Yeah. And if you wanted like NBC shows, Netflix had it. If you wanted Disney, Netflix had it. Well, now you look at it. NBC, they have Peacock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Disney Plus, they have their own thing. HBO Max, they have their own thing. Yeah. Um, Stars doesn't, it's not on Netflix no more as far as the movies. So Netflix is kind of like this name, like this name in Giant, but like when you start getting into it, you gotta feel like now with Netflix, you gotta really, really search. I wanna say for something like good, but like you gotta really search for something that's kind of like gonna stick out or is really gonna, you know, get you through it. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if like within the next like, you know, five years or so, Netflix is like, all right, you know what? Let's let's channel a new avenue. They may get into games, they may get into some other, you know, yeah. some other thing. Because it's like you gotta stay viable, you gotta stay, you know, fluid and move around a little bit. Because if you just kind of stick to this whole streaming service of like being the the giant streaming service and you're constantly going up on your prices they'll just become what they what they put out of business they'll become blockbuster you yeah. know they'll get left by the wayside of, of someone else coming along and just doing things a little bit better a little bit easier and eventually you know they'll be like i said they'll be left behind so i think that hey you said they, they don't do movies they don't do games now they may i don't know it, it's possible yeah i would hope so i mean that's a great point i think we're talking about really is just being you know trying to diversify right having lots of different things which is what i always was excited about as a kid i think what happens a lot is age i think age is a factor when you're talking to certain people right like i, I see this a lot in, in corporate america in general and movie studios are for most of them are corporate right so I think if you're in a room, I find with someone who might happen to be, you know, 40, 50, 60, not all the time, of course, right? But sometimes the way they see the world, when the world was exciting to them, they see it based on how it was when they were growing up and how it was in their 20s. So I can understand Russell Simmons saying, hey, like,
like, you know, this is a phenomenon. The guys like Jay-Z exist where they're doing all this stuff. But we've been printing records for, you know, 30 years. Trust me, just make a good record, right? At the time, maybe maybe that was exactly what they needed at that time, right? But I think maybe now if you ask him, because that interview was a while ago and it's based on someone else, maybe now he would say, oh, actually, I realize things have changed. Um, but I think sometimes is who realizes it first. They're mm-hmm. the ones that get to be ahead of the game, right? Yeah. So I think if you're Disney, you know, when they bought Marvel Comics, I don't think anyone really cared, right? I think um, before they bought Marvel Comics, Spider-Man had got sold off. Fantastic Four had got sold off to other companies. Um, uh, Miramax bought, I think, you know, um, Fantastic Four. But the whole point was, I think at the time, no one was even worried about comic book movies. They were traditionally bad movies. Yeah. So then Disney figures it out, and they're they're ahead of the curve, and they even figure out how to make them all connect. Now they're connecting their TV shows to movies. So there, I think they're so they're so ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But I feel like now you do see other people scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And and it's great because there's a lot of innovation. Like, I love the Peacock bought or merged with the, the, the WWE network because now you have wrestling, you have some movies and some TV in one place for like five dollars. They even are cheaper than the other, the other guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're innovating. So, I think Netflix, like you said, if they're just price increasing, they have to innovate and they have movies. I know one thing that they, they're kind of putting their hat on right now is they want really diverse movies, mm-hmm. they, they tell stories that other companies aren't telling. Yeah, um, so I think you know they're looking for multicultural movies or movies that you know deal with people with different sexual orientations and stuff because that might not come out at Disney, that might not come out at HBO Max. That's important, I feel like. Yeah, because yeah, it's the, the world we live in is not necessarily, I don't want to say is it, the world's changed, but I definitely think that with. The presence of social media, you know, you're more aware of things, and no one is just. It's like it's not like the '90s where it's kind of like, like you watch a movie and or a perfect example is like Game of Thrones, for instance. Yeah, if that would have came out in the '80s or '90s, Rob Stark would have been the hero at the end. Yeah, you know, the oldest exactly. son, handsome, you know, father was killed. He would have been the one on the throne at the end. Yeah, it, that's just the way they wrote it. Yeah, but in today's world, that's just not realistic because. Shit happens, you yeah, know. Like basically. things change, yeah. uh, you know. And it's one of those things. Like at the end, you looked at it as like the off the, this the, the the bastard son was the one that was you know kind of left there. But yeah. then also the imp, the midget, yeah. you know. So it's like the world is more diverse. I think it's important for creators to tell their story. Um, I think it's, cre- it's it's important for you know diversity to be explained because like. Everyone can't relate to, you know, the blonde hair, blue eye hero, the exactly. white knight. You know, yeah. sometimes the, the, the white knight may be an Asian, you know, uh, bisexual girl. Yeah. You yeah. know, like it, whatever it may be, it's just I feel like it's important to get those stories out there. Because and another thing, too, it's it's st- <laughs> for creators, it can come from anywhere. You know, like your inspiration, you could be one, you can be, you know, Hispanic living in Camden, but you're inspired to write surfer movies about LA. Yeah. You know, and it could be the best kind of surfer movie ever, but if you're not given an opportunity to tell that story, we may never get it. Yeah. You know, and, and that story can inspire someone in the UK to write something or create something. It's just one of those things I feel like it's, it's important to kind of give people that spotlight. So if Netflix is doing that, then I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's great. You know, like, f- find a new lane. You don't have to be in the same lane as everyone else. Yeah, You yeah, know, they, and it's, they, um, it's pretty cool. They had, like, a... They, they, they do this thing where they do, like, question and answers with people. Um, and, like, they send out, like, their their VP or different people, like, to go talk to conferences. And, and they tell they tell creators, this is what we're looking for, right? So if you're out there, they'll have, like, a conference. People go there. And they'll put it online. 
line, right? They'll say, we're looking for screenplays, we're looking for TV show ideas that are like this. So they're like, we don't want to, I guess, you know, like, it's an interesting thing with Disney Plus, like, they bought Fox, Mm -hmm. and they haven't put the R-rated Fox movies, like Predator and stuff, on Disney Plus yet. And I've been hearing only rumors about what they're going to do. Is it going to be a separate section? Should it be a different app? Maybe it shouldn't be a different app, right? Like, how do you distribute that when you're so, you're kind of, they're kind of stuck behind the name of Disney, where you associate that with family, you associate that with, like, it's wholesome. So, like, how do they put this stuff out? In the past, when they made movies, they, they do make movies that are for adults. They'll use, like, Touchstone, which is Disney, basically. Okay, yeah, like, I've seen that. Yeah, you're like, you, you might, if you don't do the research, you don't realize Disney owns Touchstone, right? Mm. So, it doesn't, like, tarnish their name. But when you have the Disney app, and you go, like, click on the app, and Aladdin pops up next to Predator, now what do you do, <laughs> right? You can't be like, you don't want to call it, like, Disney Touchstone. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Um, so... You know, Netflix has, like, the Netflix Kids section. Even YouTube has YouTube Kids. But, like, you don't want to have Disney and then Disney Kids because that was kind of what Disney was, right, to begin with. So I think Netflix is is, they're saying, okay, we're not stuck behind that wall. We can do the the little more racier movies. We can do um, other movies that your audience might not be happy with. Like, I remember there was a lot of, um, like, controversy. I remember at one point for Frozen, there was talks in the sequel that they might come out with the fact that Elsa's gay. They might put that in the sequel. They ended up not doing that in the sequel. They don't really touch it. And I wonder, was was that really... I think the writer was saying that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Was the company like, we don't want to have that message in our movies. We want you just to watch the movie, which makes sense. Yeah. But I feel like then Netflix would be like, so we're going to have the gay Frozen girl and like, <laughs> like well, we'll make up a new character and yeah. she will be that yeah. and then again a whole other audience might really love that content on Netflix so maybe they both stay in their own lane yeah. or maybe if everyone's liking that kind of content more you know Hollywood's a copycat business then yeah. everyone's gonna be like well, we need to have more diversity in our films and we need to we need to be a little more um, not controversial but basically we gotta stop doing what's been done forever yeah. and start telling new stories that reflect the real world as a, a creator yourself, how do you feel about... Because I remember when uh, Endgame came out, and I thought Endgame was amazing. Yeah. Like, I thought the last, I want to say, like, oh, yeah. five or six of those films, the way they tied them in, I thought the story from the beginning to the end... Like, it was some movies where it was kind of like, they were good, but there was some that was, like, just amazing. Yeah. But anyway, when Endgame came out, I remember uh, Scorsese was one of the ones who kind of criticized it. And he mm-hmm. was saying, like, that's not real film. That's not real art. That's just yeah. a roller coaster. It's an amusement park. And people were saying, oh, he's just a dinosaur. He's just, you know, he's he's jealous. He's hating. Like, you know, people, like, young people are saying that. Yeah. But then you had some, like... Some people who were, I guess, who were real, really into the business were saying, like, no, this is just a different type of art. This is yeah. a different type of uh, film. Where do you stand with that? Cause, and they were saying another thing, too, that, that he, he criticized was, like you said, Disney is that brand. So, like, when they were bringing directors on, it was kind of like, this is the film. We just need you to kind of get it from A to B, but this is the direction you have to take. Yeah. So, like, directors were actually kind of, like, I want to say handcuffed, but they were guided along the Disney way. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that as a creator? Do you think that's like, like what do you think they're like, you know, what's your stance on those kind of films? But then also, you do, you, yeah. do you think about like the, the directors kind of being more controlled through the process? I look at it, I approach it as a challenge. I think I think it's challenging. I think like, like a writing prompt. I think sometimes 
you know, if you talk about a guy like Scorsese, like Scorsese is a legend. And at this point, like he can do anything he wants to do, right? And I think when he goes to a company, I'm not him, but I have to imagine he feels like, I'm Martin Scorsese, I know how to make these movies. Anybody in here who's writing checks, you don't, you're not Martin Scorsese. So don't mm-hmm. tell me how to write a movie. Please just hand me the money. I will now go make the movie. <laughs> and then you go, you'll, get, you'll get a bunch of money in return because I'm yeah. Martin Scorsese. And that's fair. I remember when he said that, I think around the time, um, then Irishman came to Netflix. Yeah. And Irishman was a great movie. You know, yeah. it was in this movie, I probably you couldn't do in theaters because it was very long. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, the thing with theaters is they want to get as many screen times in, in a day as possible. So mm-hmm. if we can sell 12 different, again, like we were talking about before we started recording, um, you know, if you go to a movie at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it might be sold out. You try to go to like the 4.30 one. But if the movie's four hours long, that means if I go at, you know, at three, I can't come back to like uh, quick math. I'm nervous now. Right. Like I can't come back to like seven or something. Right. Yeah. Um, or you have to put it in more theaters, which means like more and more actually screens have to show it. And you don't get to get as many movies in there. You can do almost two movies if they're 90 minutes long. And the same time as Irishman, you can sell twice as many tickets. Yeah. So there's pressure, I know, from the studios to cut movies. That's why sometimes you hear you see like a Snyder cut that comes out and it's four hours long. And you're scratching your head like, wait a minute, this movie was like two hours in the theater. Why would you have ever filmed four hours of content? Yeah. I guess at some point they're like, we wanted to have a four-hour movie. Um, but they wouldn't let us, right? We, yeah. Not to cut you off, but that's mm-hmm. that's great because I was about to bring that up. Like, that Snyder's cut. I watched the original when it first came out. Well, I remember the original when it first came out, and I was kind of falling off of DC. I was kind of like, ah, oh, man, this is not like it. Yeah. And then, like, I remember seeing Suicide Squad, and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely checking out. Because yeah. Marvel was putting out such great content where it was like, whatever Disney was doing, it was like, yo, man, you guys are doing it all wrong. Uh-huh. Like, if you got a copy, just copy at this point, just so you can keep up. It was kind of like, it was like, like I don't know what it, it was. Just like a bad imitation. It was like they were trying to make jokes. Mm. The, the characters, like the, the casting. I was like, I get what you're trying to do here with like Aquaman trying to jump on that, you know, that his little celebrity. You want big names like Ben Affleck in it, and it was like I get it, but it was just like it was, it was almost like they were doing cheap knockoffs of what they had, and it was like you look at Marvel. Like I always look at it as like 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 brands. Yeah. It was like like DC had like Pepsi and Coke, but they were out there trying to like compete with like these mom and pop brands that was just kicking their ass at the theaters. Like mm-hmm. it's like, hold on, you are the brand. Like what are you doing? You shouldn't be chasing, you should be leading. And then like I remember when Justice League came out, it was like, Yeah, this is I see what they're doing here, but it wasn't like that good. Yeah. Cause it was like it seemed like a lot of like it was just wasn't that good. And then I remember I just watched the Snyder's cut. And I was like, why the fuck would you ever not put this out first? Like, it just didn't make no sense because it was so good. Yeah. And it, it was like, all the parts that didn't make sense to me when I watched it, the Snyder Cut explained all that stuff. Yeah. And I get what they said, his personal issues that he went through. So it's kind of like, all right, well, we got to just put the other version out. But to me, I would have never released the other version until he was ready to release the Snyder's Cut because it was just so much better. And it, I felt like watching that one, I was like, you guys really just shot yourself in the foot. For whatever reason, you should just put it out and begin with. And I just think that's one of those things like like companies they kind of overthink it maybe, or they just think that like they're they're outsmart themselves. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, what happens I think is it's it's a business, right? So you have art. You what you want as a viewer, you want a good story. You want entertainment, right? Especially when you put down ten dollars. But then they're they're factoring in. You know, we have to run a business, right? So if you're gonna make a movie for two hundred million dollars, we need to make back six hundred, eight hundred, or a billion dollars to make this worth it to our investors. So those those are some of those things where like yes, time and space is difficult, right? If you do a four hour movie, we're putting this in theaters. You know, how are people going to show up and spend this money? 
and being a theater this whole time. And then, you know, I think they split back then and that, that business model, they split the money, I think 50 50 with the, the theaters. So if you make a billion, you're actually only making 500 million and it costs you 250 million. So you're only making really 250 million. And then you're paying almost, I think, 40% taxes if you're a big company like that back to the government. So you're only making like 100 million. So you're thinking, like, wait a second, now that, that's not that's just quick math, those aren't the exact numbers. But then you're like, wait, why do we spend 250 million? And risk not making any money back, only to make maybe a hundred million, and it took us like three years, right? Where I could maybe let this other guy go make a thirty million, like John Wick. He gonna make a thirty million dollar movie. He can make one every year. Maybe I'd make two hundred million with that guy, right? Yeah. So why are we even doing all this, right? Because they're a business. Whereas a fan, you're like, well, you're doing it because it's awesome, and I want to see great movies, yeah. right? And they're like, yeah, well, we can't always just do that. So I think with even with Scorsese and with the Snyder Cut has proven is there's room for both again when like you talked about earlier if you diversify right maybe every movie doesn't need to be in theaters yeah so if i'm if i if we're paying 15 dollars a month for netflix and netflix makes you know 10 billion dollars a year just because we're paying them right they don't they can risk doing a four-hour movie where they may give i don't know scorsese 50 million dollars to do it i'm making up a number i don't know the number yeah, for yeah. that one and they're like, yeah, we're making $10 billion this year no matter what. People aren't canceling their services right now. And stuff like Irishman is making them not want to cancel. Maybe new people sign up. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter to us if you if you bomb at the box office because there is no box office anymore. You're not yeah. splitting the money with the theater. It's all going to you. Yeah. So I don't even know when Scorsese made that comment. I know, like, those guys, it's a dream to have your movie in theaters, have a big box office, win win an award, and all that stuff. That's what the big dream is for any kind of creator. Mm-hmm. So I guess when you go to Netflix, it does feel like you're going to, like, straight to video, which mm-hmm. feels insulted if you're, like, again, a, a movie maker who's making movies for 20 30 years but now to younger generations it might be like no that's better than theaters and I think we just haven't seen that world yet yeah. where I'm not saying that is what it's going to be but possibly or or there's room for both you can yeah. have a movie that comes out in theaters you can have a movie that comes to streaming and we don't look at you different we don't look as like oh that's less than and with great movies like the Snyder Cut um, then I think that gives prestige to streaming services Yeah. where hopefully I mean, this is me just hoping I'm, 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 I'm up to the challenge for anything but hopefully for the other movie creators they say oh okay I got a movie that is made for streaming. I got yeah. a movie that is that's the purpose of it is to go to streaming. Hopefully they start to see the opportunity in in the new environment. Instead yeah. of thinking, ah, the the, the movie the movie industry is dying. There's only room for, you know, music park movies like Iron Man and stuff. Um, there was definitely a time probably where that was the case mm-hmm. but then luckily Scorsese goes does Irishman and I think that makes the argument and that maybe makes HBO Max say we could do a four hour movie we got all this footage left over from uh, Justice League we never yeah. showed you they do it that works out for them and then people are like oh because I think one of the main reasons movies are usually 90 minutes long is because um, the that, that theater thing, right? You sell yeah. tickets. so That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you see like a Harry Potter book. You want a Harry Potter book might be like 800 pages. Yeah. Usually in a screenplay, about a page is roughly about a minute. Mm-hmm. So most screenplays are somewhere like 120 pages or maybe 200 pages. I hear guys, like I think Quinn's um, had a cut of like Death Proof that I think was 400 pages. You hear these stories, right? Yeah. You're like, that's insane. Like, how could you do that, right? But... 
it's hard to tell a story in 120 pages. Yeah. It actually has, like you said, all the things from the world that as a fan you might like. I mean, you watch a TV show, like they're doing um, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier. There's about eight hours of content there. Yeah. So then you can tell a really in-depth sold- a story about Falcon and Winter Soldier. But, you know, when you watch those movies, those guys are getting 15 minutes of screen time. They're getting 15 pages versus yeah. 800 pages. So I think, I think hopefully Scorsese and those guys start seeing... Oh, this is actually a this is actually like a blessing in disguise. We mm-hmm. can do different kind of movies on streaming services. Fans are still paying for it, and I think everyone can win. I yeah, and that's a good point. Well, it's a great point because I think the the biggest thing is a lot of times with these like like you talked about like the box office thing, and they're wrapped up in the numbers of the returns and what they got to pay out and things like that. In a way, I kind of wish, like, you know, by them finding more creators, they can have, like, this is going to sound weird, but so they can have, like, creators, you know, and creators can put their stories out and kind of carry, you know, I want to say, like, the, the the brand or the franchises or whatever it may be. They kind of carry this, you know, they make the little money, like, here or there, gobble it up a little bit to keep things going. But then you may have, like, a big movie that's like, you know, we have this, this action movie that it may not... It may not bring us a lot of money in return, but it's kind of like a passion project, even though it's a big budget film, that they could put it out and be like, whatever it do, it does. It doesn't matter because we have these small ones carrying us. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but at the same time, it's kind of like giving everyone what they want. It could be a way to give the RC people what they want. It could be a way to give the big box office people what they want. I know as a viewer, I don't want to say like, you know, like I know as a viewer, like when I watch things, generally as I get older, I'm more interested in the story. That yeah. I'm interested in the action. Like the action is great, but like generally, like my favorite shows, I would say, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, The Wire. I think it's like the greatest show ever. Like things like that. I'm more interested in the story. Now the action is what ties it on, put a bow on the end of it for me. But like generally, I love the way the character builds. I love the yeah. way the story, you know, grows. And that's things I'm interested in. I remember watching uh, Orange Is the New Black originally, and yeah. I was thinking that was like such a great show because it wasn't the first prison show, it wasn't the first female show, but it was a female prison show, and it was kind of like female leads was it was pretty cool. But I thought the way they developed their background characters were kind of like every character was developed in a way. I was like, that's really good. Yeah, I'm not sure what they did, you know, numbers wise for Netflix, but I know it was really popular at one point. Oh yeah, and I'm sure it carried the brand a little bit further where it allowed them to do more shows. Yeah. I I like that show a lot towards the end it kind of like you know ran its course for me but ultimately i felt like if that's something i would like you know it was that's something i didn't mind paying for yeah. like I, it was worth the amount i was paying for netflix to watch it whereas though there's some stuff on netflix i just may not be interested in watching because i feel like it's just not like it's just it's just not worth it to me yeah no but at the same time it's like something like it may be a bigger movie on there it's just like I don't want to watch you know another Kevin Hart movie yeah but I feel like Orange is the New Black is something that can kind of carry Netflix along so whereas they put a Kevin Hart movie on there and if it doesn't you know do well exactly it makes sense where it's like all right, I get it it's for a little bit it's for everyone though yeah Um, I just feel like as creators I kind of hope they get more of an opportunity to tell their stories and just have that lane like maybe you're a creator who like want to just make big box office stuff. Yeah. You don't got to necessarily be a creator where you're kind of like, you know, um, making small artsy films and hoping you're getting a, you know, the indie push or you got to go to Sundance. Maybe you just want to make some big box office stuff. And I feel like it should be room for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing where there's a lot of movies that were made on Netflix, a lot of TV shows that never would have been made on basic cable. Um, sometimes only would have been made on maybe HBO. Right. Mm-hmm. And not everyone has HBO. I feel like HBO, when you're paying for cable, at least the way it was before, it was difficult to get to HBO because like, I got to pay for cable. Maybe that's $80 a month. Then I got to add on HBO. Maybe that's $20 a month. So I'm paying $100 a month. 
and then HBO Max comes out and like, well, you know, $10, $15, you can get to what you really want, right? You really want this Game of Thrones. You really want the Sopranos. So instead of you paying and going through this cable provider, now we're coming right to you for $10, $15. And we can do all kinds of shows. So I think like on Netflix, you said like Orange is the New Black, they would never would have made that show for TV, right? It's yeah. just impossible to make that show for TV. And then when um you're thinking about how much it would cost to make a show like that. You have a whole prison, you have all these actors on there. I think it's very difficult to to justify that to some people, right? So like some producers are saying, we're not gonna give you all that money. This show, we've never seen it done before. We don't know how it's gonna work. Netflix can take that blow because if they say, we wanna spend you know, 100 million on Orange is New Black, it's making up a number. Um, we're making, again, $10 billion a year. So if we if we miss on that, and I'm sure some people will like it, it's not, it's like a drop in a bucket basically. Mm-hmm. So they can take more risk and then when Orange is New Black is a hit, it's kind of almost like a happy accident right well i know they they're doing it to make it a hit but like other companies can't afford to gamble that so if you're if you're a company like hbo i think hbo usually makes about one maybe two like premium shows right like we mm-hmm. had game of thrones i think at the very end of game of thrones they started talking about making westworld but it wasn't like they were making westworld and game of thrones side by side because yeah. those episodes are like a million dollars a piece and yeah. you know it's, it's an expensive show to make um, where now with your, when you're Netflix and you have, you're have you in all these homes, now they can afford to start doing million-dollar shows. I saw Amazon is spending half a billion dollars on Lord of the Rings, the TV show, just the first season. Jeez. It's, I've never heard of something that high, right? But that's obviously Amazon saying we're coming in and we want to have a show. We want you guys to take our streaming service serious. Plus... They're diversified. So, like, well, if that doesn't work, we're still selling all these shipping and handling products, right? We have yeah. an online store. We're okay. Yeah. So, I think what you were saying earlier, that would help Netflix to get into something that's not just movies. Yeah. Because if you guys take a hit, hopefully your games are doing good. But I think, too, the, the big problem there is you have to have a bunch of CEOs at any company sit down and they say, we know movies. We all day we think about movies and TV shows. We don't know anything about shipping and handling. We don't know anything about video games. So how mm. do we successfully start a whole other branch? We got to maybe hire someone else. We got to trust a stranger to come in here and do it. We're going to give them much of money. And if it doesn't work out, all our stockholders will be mad at us for wasting money on some yeah. other you know scheme that doesn't work out basically. So hopefully I would love to see them do more of that because I think mm. what you're saying is right, right? You have other content creators that can make movies that are that are not what's going to work on regular studio, on like the regular system. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then you can see those are happy accidents sometimes and that might inspire more of those films to get made. Yeah. And as a viewer, you win because now you're seeing all kinds of stories that like you said, back in the 80s and 90s, they wouldn't have told, they wouldn't have told it. Those actors wouldn't have got jobs, right? Only had one guy getting a job, the one type of looking guy getting a job. And now there's so many other people. Like I, I saw Thunder Force on Netflix. I mentioned this on the podcast, I think a few weeks ago. Um, and I loved it, right? But they never would have made that movie for a theater. They never would have mm-hmm. given it a special effects budget and everything that movie needed to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could do it at Netflix. Like you said, if it doesn't work, it, it's okay because they have they have other things coming, right? Yeah. So I agree, man. I think that's a better system. And yeah, it's, and I, I think hopefully other content creators or that's what I'm calling them right they would be called they would call themselves yeah. filmmakers they would hate the title <laughs> content like no, I'm a filmmaker I make films yeah and I think it's it doesn't even matter it's just that's just one way of thinking and hopefully they they change their minds about what's possible I think once you get out of those old kind of dogmatic ideas like these are my titles this is what I'm doing I'm all doing it for the Oscar and all that stuff 
I think as creators, they'll realize I can express myself and I can do anything now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that has to, for me as a creator, that's exciting to yeah. think that my crazy story that, you know, normally people would say, no one's going to make that. That maybe there's a streaming service out there who sees that and they'll take a gamble on me. Where other studios would never take a gamble on that kind of stuff back, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Now, as as like a film, as a, as a creator, I guess we will go with that term, as a creator, if you were ever, if you ever pitch your story, like say you pitch to these studios and they say, hey, Louis, we, we got we got some feedback. Like you have Asian, he's like, we got some feedback. This studio wants you to do this or this studio is interested in this, but they want you to do this first. And say if it's something that's kind of off the beaten path where you don't necessarily agree with it, as a creator, is that something you're willing to take that chance on to kind of get your story told? Yeah. Like, that's something you would be willing to do? Yeah, with me, like, when, I, when I'm when working on, you know, SammyRide.com, you know, when I'm working on those things, I want people to see that, you know, I'll do short stories, right? Because I can do short stories, I can sell them on the Kindle. Um, I can do short videos for YouTube, right? I have a show I'm working on for YouTube. It's like a DJ kind of show. And the DJ exists inside the universe of Neochrome. So, like, you know, when you're driving to work, you, your DJs back when I was younger, they would tell you about what's going on in the world. And also, like, you hear some music. So I thought a fun show would be to have a fictional DJ who's inside the, my, my fictional world. And he's telling you little stories about what's going on in the world, which is the world I made Neochrome. So to me, I see it as an opportunity to try to challenge myself and say, okay, well, you want to write a book, you want to do screenplays, but w- with all the different things out here, how can you, with a podcast, with, uh, with a website, how can you convey that story across multiple mediums? And it gives me the um, opportunity to do it without a big budget, right? Because if I want to make, you know, if I want to make like Captain Odessa, Captain Odessa might be a 60 to $100 million film, right? It's a space adventure. It takes place partially on Earth, partially on a fictional planet. There's some space travel involved. Um, I would hope to get at least a few good actors in it. So that's going to be, I convince the studio, give me $60 million, give me $100 million, or buy my screenplay and give it to another director, right? Um, So they might say, I don't know you, I don't wanna do that. But I can say, okay, well, just like Harry Potter, I'm gonna sell my own short stories online. I'm gonna sell them on Kindle, right? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go and make videos about this on YouTube, right? Or I may may make a short film where I can't do the special effects part, but if I can get some people to just do the acting part, the story part, Mm -hmm. and take a small small piece of that, show it on YouTube, that might drum up interest, right? I know Deadpool got made because they did a little character render of what Deadpool might look like when he's fighting, that whole highway scene from the first movie. They made that, the studios didn't want it, and supposedly a few years later, someone leaked it. One of the actors leaked it. It might have been Ryan Reynolds, might have been someone else. And because that did so good on YouTube, that made the studios more comfortable with saying, oh, we should have made this movie. But it took like six years, something like that, to come around to that decision. Oh, wow. So as a creator, again, I see a lot of more traditional creators kind of are mad at these new opportunities and they think that they're taken away from the films. Yeah. I see them as a challenge to, you know, embrace those new things. Yeah. And instead of going through your whole life getting told no, um, you can go ahead and make your own yes, right? So even if you can go on a thing like Kickstarter and you can somehow raise half a million dollars, something like that, right? Mm. Through selling t-shirts or whatever you're, you're trying to sell as a bundle to get your money for your film before the only way you can get your money for your film is your studio gets it to you. Yeah. So now instead of saying, well, I think my story works, maybe no studio thinks it works. Maybe maybe people on the internet think it works and they want to give me money, right? Or even like a mobile game. You can make a mobile video game. People mm-hmm. are making them all the time. So I can't make it. I don't know how to code it. But if I meet a guy, it might be easier to convince, you know, Kevin.
Robin who makes cell phone games. Hey, why don't we make a cell phone game based off of this story? Mm-hmm. And if this game gets any kind of attention, now studios can see how the characters look. They can kind of see how this world looks. Mm-hmm. Even if the game isn't popular, it then becomes almost like a a presentation tool that I could then use say here look these are how my characters look this is what this world looks because sometimes for the guys holding the money it's not that they don't want to make the film because they have some kind of like mean thought Sometimes they just can't see the vision, yeah. right? Imagine someone sitting down to you explaining to you The Matrix 10 years before The Matrix came out. Yeah. And you can't picture a, a black and green world with those guys fighting and then moving like that on camera. It had never been done before. Is that still like the biggest mystery with, with like films, I feel like? Like the true meaning of The Matrix? Well, I mean, that, that, again, again, you have a good story there. You have good uh, special effects there, right? And I think a lot of people still don't understand everything about The Matrix. Because I, I felt like I knew what it was. I thought it was about how hackers going to another world to kind of save I guess humanity from mm-hmm. itself almost yeah but then like I remember reading something online about the Wachowski 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 brothers yeah. Wachowski yeah. yeah brothers or sisters now however yeah, you want to yeah. you know really uh, phrase it but I heard it was about like something totally different yeah like it wasn't really that it was like some underlining meaning that was like kind of uncovered once they uh, spoke about it and I was like that makes no sense to me yeah you know so I, like and I think that's the cool part about like the stories like it can be interpreted a certain way or yeah yeah it means mean a lot of things that's the cool thing about creators like you just kind of like have this this idea and it could be loosely based on something or people can think it's based off of something but then also ultimately is is something completely different yeah, and you know. I mean, and I, I feel bad for the producer there. Like, if you're making Lethal Weapon around that time, I mean, that was a big action franchise in the 90s. Yeah. And, like, we want $30 million to make Lethal Weapon. It's about a cop. They, he's going to retire. There's another younger cop. He's, like, an ex-Marine. He's a little crazy. And they get in the action. They beat up the bad guys, and they have a lot of fun, right? $30 million. Like, yeah, we're going to make $100 million off of that. That's fine, right? And then you come into this, the, you're, you're the Wachowskis in this situation. You're like... We want 50, 60 million. And we have this existential movie about these guys who go into computer world. And really, it's all about like Christ. And maybe it's not about Christ. Maybe it's about like religion. <laughs> and your producer, like, huh? Like, you're going to give you twice as much money? And I don't know what your movie's about. Where's so, the cop at? Yeah. yeah. So, what who's, they did. Who's the buddy cop? Who's a, a cool thing they did was they actually, again, this is back in the 90s. So, they're innovating way before people are even thinking about this, right? They pay a comic book illustrator to illustrate the entire screenplay, which is like 120 pages. Oh, wow. You can buy it now on, on Amazon. It's called like the art of I think it's called the Art of the Matrix, something like that. It's a, it's a little bit expensive art book. Um, but yeah, so they they said they did that because they couldn't explain to people. It was hard to explain to them what it was they were trying to make. And they said because of that, that they came out their own pocket. They had to pay someone. You had to wait for him, obviously, to illustrate the whole screenplay, basically. Then they went to pitch meetings. and like, we want to make this movie look. It's right here. And, you know, comic books are great because it kind of looked like the framing for where your camera would be. You kind of can see where the actors are. Yeah. So the movie doesn't come out looking exactly like the screenplay. But they said that was a tool they used to pitch. But I'm sure, you know, they did it and now it's kind of like, oh, that's obvious. I'm sure no other screenwriter at the time was walking around making comic books out of the screenplays. Yeah. yeah, And that's so, that's interesting and that's really cool because it's like, like you said, it's, I know like, like in another, in more simple terms, it's kind of like looking at like houses or apartments, you know, and some people can see like, oh, I want this to be here, this to be here. Me, on the other hand, 
I'm terrible at that. You show me yeah. a blank canvas, and you ask me what I see, I'm gonna show you a blank canvas because I have no, <laughs> like I, I need some pushing to get my imagination going. I can't yeah. just look at something and just tell you where I want this or I want that. I'm just not like that. So I can see myself as that producer, and and these people standing in front of me telling me this story, and they're probably so excited, yeah. and they're probably yeah. like you know telling me all this stuff, and I'm probably I'll run into it like all right, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, and I can't give you this, and I'm so sorry. I just I just can't see things like that. Like I'm. I, I don't want to say I'm not a visual, you know, I'm not a visual person, but I just need some, I need some sketches down. I need some outlining. Like, yeah. You don't got to give me the color, but maybe you got to give me the penciling. Maybe you got to give me, you know, something the, you helps, know, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just need, like, I don't know. And that's pretty cool thinking that for them to get what they wanted done, they found another route yeah. to that. And that's like, really, I never knew that. That's really interesting. That's really cool to me, though. Yeah, man. I mean, there's, there's, and I don't feel, I don't feel like um, that guy gets talked about enough, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he's probably sitting there, that producer, if he's successful, if he knows how to make good movies, he's probably thinking other things. Well, what's the age of your actor? Well, what's the name of the actor? Who's going to be in it? Oh, that actor? Hmm, I know they make about $10 million. You know, like they know other numbers and they're kind of guided off of that. Mm-hmm. So then again, like, like you talk about the Snyder Cut, that guy in the room, if he's a producer, he's successfully leading Warner Brothers for years or whatever, he's making movies, right, and they trust him, and then you're talking to him about something that's beyond what he knows about business, basically, he might not understand why this is the next big thing, right? I mean, we, we all do that. I remember um, YouTube, when Google bought YouTube, I remember all the news articles where everyone is seeming to say YouTube was, Google's going to go out of business because they were going to get so sued for all the copywritten stuff on YouTube that Google will be done in like a year, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously now, we're, the whole world's like, well, obviously that's never going to happen. Google and YouTube is the best thing that ever happened to the world practically, right? Yeah. But I remember all the articles as a kid, reading those articles and thinking, man, I hope YouTube doesn't go away. I hope Google doesn't go away. But they saw the future, right? Yeah. So I think it's difficult for everyone when someone says, hey, this is the next big thing. I've dealt with it. I've had people present to me ideas about all sorts of things, music, clothing lines, video games, uh, new apps and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then mm. like 10 years later, when it's too late and everyone's oversaturated that app or that, that new thing, now I'm thinking about, I keep talking. Now I'm thinking about, um, yeah, like, you have to go ahead and you have to see these innovations and try to be on top of them. But it's hard. It's hard to see the future. It's hard to know what's going to be the next big thing because there's so many factors involved in that. And when you're risking hundreds of millions of dollars, um, you don't want to be the guy who gets fired because you bet on the wrong app, right? Like, I remember, like, Pluto Nash, the Eddie Murphy movie, which which always gets a lot of talk. That goes down. Yeah. (laughs) That goes down as being, like, one of the biggest financial, I think. um, It's not, I don't think it is anymore, but it used to be, like, the biggest financial um, um, movie that didn't work out well so I mean I feel bad for the producers there who did take a chance on that movie and some of them might not have jobs anymore right if that's how it worked out for them but they were given a chance they they, they saw Eddie Murphy they thought this would be a really fun thing and for whatever reason you know it doesn't work out however Eddie Murphy's still a star I think you know his coming to America 2 was great I love Dolomite's my name and again you see kind of those movies on different streaming services and they prove that Eddie Murphy is a star. He knows how to make great movies. So Pluto Nash ends up just being a one-off thing, right? It's not necessarily anyone's uh, direct fault. You know, movies is a team-making process. A lot of people involved in making movies. So when you look at that, you say, well, you know, how how is it that Pluto Nash made such a big, you know, um, box office stink, basically. Well, you know, they, you don't, you have to go back and you have to know. 
then figure out what it was that happened. However, you know, Eddie Murphy's still a star, and he made Dolomite's My Name, he made, you know, Coming to America 2, he's still a bankable star. So I think that producer is probably scratching his head, like, well, I don't know what happened with Pluto Nash, why it didn't work. And I'm, I feel bad for those guys, because, like, yeah, you, you're trusting these, these creative people, they got some papers in their hand, and they want all this money, and they're probably in their, in their studio now thinking, I don't want to be the next guy to make a Pluto, Pluto, uh, Pluto Nash or the next big blockbuster bomb. I want to give you all this money, and then I don't have a job anymore. So they're scared also, too. Yeah. So I think that's why those is great. When you have a subscription service where, again, you know, this month alone, I think Mortal Kombat's coming to HBO Max. I think a few weeks ago it was King Kong. So if one of them doesn't work that well, the other one might pick up the slack. And if no one cancels or not that many people cancel, we might even get some new subscribers. It's hard to even know. They have numbers to show them. Well, some people watch this more than the others, but they kind of can quietly spin the narrative. Yeah. And be like, oh, we don't want to make Mortal Kombat anymore, but it was a great success. Sign up for Mortal Kombat. They can say that now, and we don't really know. Yeah. Um, I think that's better for everyone involved because then again, the director might say, "Why do I? I'm, I'm not gonna make more Mortal Kombat anymore, but I got another idea." And then no one has to take that L. Yeah. Like Pluto Nash, it came out on Netflix. Netflix, if it came out, everyone would have watched it because it was on Netflix. People might not have been so critical about it because they didn't have to pay $10 specifically for it. Or again, if you have a family, $40, $50 just to watch one movie. And then Netflix can spin it. They can say, oh man, like so many people press play. Like 10 billion people press play. And like, well, how many of them made it all the way through it? Don't worry about that. Just what? This is Orange New Black season five coming out. That, they can do that now. Yeah. And it's great for Eddie Murphy and everyone involved because they don't have to have that pressure. Because sometimes it could be, you know, there was a snowstorm and then people didn't want to go to the theater. Sometimes it's the Super Bowl was on. People didn't want to go to the theater, right? So it's not even always the movie's fault. Maybe Pluto Nash is a fine movie, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, and then you have critics. Like, critics go out and they say things about movies in theaters. But then if you're on, you can just go home and press play on Netflix. You mean, do you really need to listen to the critic? Like, I don't have, I don't need your permission to watch the movie. I could just watch it, basically. So I think when you're doing that, it opens up, again, all these new opportunities mm-hmm. that people just didn't have before. Okay, that makes sense. And that makes, that's a, that's a good point. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about the fact that, like, they probably, like you said, they had the big star. They looked at it as like, oh, we're good. We're, we're going to put the big star in this big film. And then when it doesn't happen, it's kind of like, oh, shit. We're, we're sitting here left, like, trying to scramble. Yeah. But, like, I guess the, the before we saw those kind of, you know, effects, like, with growing up, like, you know, like early 2000s, 90s, whatever, if something bombed, it was like, oh, shit, all right. You know, like 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 perfect example is when Will Smith came out with After Earth. Yeah. Um, that was supposed to be like a big film for him and his son, and you watch it and you're like, this isn't a good movie, but it's like Will Smith, so it's like you give it the opportunity. I'm sure they probably was like, all right, this is something Will wants to do, so we're going to give it to him. But like, it seemed like he kind of like had to take a step back from the public's eye almost in a way. Like they weren't really giving him the roles anymore. Because remember, yeah. Will was like Mr. Box Office. Every July, it seemed like he had a big box office movie. Yeah. After Earth bombed, we didn't really see him no more. And then he kind of had like other roles where it was kind of like working his way back to where he's at now. Remember, yeah. uh, what was the one that came out straight for Netflix where he was like the cop partner with the Bright? Bright, yeah. yeah. Initially, you're like, what is this? But like when you watch it, it was a decent movie. Yeah. But like that's probably, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we'll, we'll probably never look at that role. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, Straight to video, like yeah, no. He's he's a big innovator. Like he did bright. I think before a lot of big actors wanted yeah. to go to streaming, and then he also has a YouTube channel. He's got a million subscribers now, right? 
I think a lot of actors are thinking, I don't want to be on YouTube. And for me, I guess being maybe a little bit, again, I'm just being maybe a little bit younger. Maybe that's my advantage. Not so much saying that it's an advantage, but I grew up on YouTube. So yeah. if you're an actor, say, you know, John Wayne, the actor, you know, whatever, and he, they don't even know what YouTube is or they don't really care about YouTube, they might think, well, I'm an actor. If I'm on YouTube, sometimes they worry about, like, my price might go down. Mm-hmm. So if guys think I can, I'll, I'll make videos for free. Why are they going to pay me 20 million to do my next film? Yeah. So Will Smith was being very brave by saying, no, I'm going to go ahead and do um, a Netflix movie because no one knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. So he's gambling on himself. He's betting on himself, right? Yeah. He has he has confidence, right? He's, I'm going to go do this movie. People are going to like it. And again, it's a movie that might not have got greenlit when it comes to, you know, a, a theater. That movie could have been, going, it could have went to theater. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Netflix makes it, right? I think most people like the movie. And again, it's, it's an interesting world. It's a different kind of thing. Then all of a sudden you see other actors like, well, I got a movie coming to Netflix. Oh, yeah. oh now you want to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. yeah he, 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 kicked down, <laughs> he kicked down the door for everyone. Yeah, he kind yeah. of, like you said, he was the first one. And you think about the name of it, like the name of him, Will Smith is a huge star. Yeah. Like people yeah. know Will Smith from like everything. Like you, some people know him from his films. Some people know him from his shows. You may have some people that know him from rapping. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's like a face that's like, he probably can walk anywhere in this world and everyone knows him. Like it's just a recognizable oh, yeah. face. So for like Netflix to have like a star of his magnitude to be like, yeah, I'll do direct the film, you know, movie. That's major, you know, and that, whoever that created, whoever created that movie, I'm probably he probably was so thankful for that, and yeah. I, I think that is pretty cool to have like a creator to get that. I don't, I don't want to say get like a star down on his luck, but to get Will Smith to, to go right to Netflix, yeah, it was like perfect. It's match made in heaven almost. Like I wonder what's going on with that creator now. But like, what else did he was able to, you know, springboard off of that, off of that success? I guess you would say. I mean, I, I heard they're making Bright too, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, there's other movies like that that are coming to Netflix, right? So that's a good thing. Um, and you know, with with that, you know, looking at the different people that are innovating and aren't afraid to try those new things, I think you can see that you know, there's a lot of things to be said about you know, if I can't get my movie made, what can I do now? Mm-hmm. Because actors run into that, right? Said like, Will Will makes After Earth. Who knows if After Earth comes to HBO Max? Maybe it's not look back on history as a bomb, right? Yeah. Maybe they think, oh, look at this cool movie with Will Smith, right? Yeah. So I think it allows them to try other things that um, normally they couldn't try, right? So and even with Bright, if people thought. Uh, we're not going to give you the money to make Bright, then you never can make Bright. And the world doesn't get to see that movie, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think those are the benefits of it. You know, I think a lot of younger actors like um, you know, Tom Holland, he plays Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I think he's a person, he said things like, oh, I'll, I'll play Spider-Man for 60 years. But I remember other actors would do a movie like yeah I'm only gonna do like one of these movies I don't really wanna do it again cause mm-hmm. I like wanna go do something else I'm doing like a court drama next year right like yeah. they want they want to express themselves in other ways I think our generation or younger generations are more comfortable with the idea that oh yeah of course Harry Potter is supposed to be nine films long of yeah. course I would play him for nine films where I think a lot of other people grew up they just if they especially didn't have an attachment to those things yeah. they're like well I just wanted to make like this story this year next story I wanna make a different next year I wanna make a different kind of story they wanna challenge themselves as actors yeah. Sometimes the idea of you're going to be the same person for 10 years, they're almost like, that's the opposite of acting. I want to be different people, right? Yeah. So I think that's difficult for them even, where they're like, well, this is not what I signed up for. They might not have the same passion for it. Mm-hmm. So again, as a viewer, for us, it's fun to us. But then for them, I've heard a lot of actors like, yeah, I don't like the green screen. I don't like the fact that I'm on screen for five minutes and then my computer counterpart, they're doing the next half an hour of the film because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get to do anything. I'm just like sitting around basically. So I Cash think those are all factors where I think, yeah, younger, <laughs> younger people like, will pay me and I'll go like play a video game in my trailer, right? And um, I'll make a YouTube video 
video, I'll dance a TikTok yeah. while I'm waiting. So again, it's just the world changes so fast now. Yeah. Where I think um you're seeing so many perspectives and so many different things happening. Almost by the time you start to understand it, the world changed again. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I understand YouTube. Yeah, well, do you understand TikTok? I, I don't have a TikTok account, right? It's like, oh, well, you should get on that. Now make a TikTok account and there'll be some other thing, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm constantly behind, right? It's like, it's like trying to keep up with Iron Man like Tony Stark, right? He's like, I'm always 10 years ahead of you. I got the new thing coming already. You're like, I thought I figured it out. You made another suit? He's like, I got another suit coming. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, man, that's the amazing time that we're living in right now. I think a lot of times by the time we start to look at it and look back on it, it's already changed again. So I think those guys out there, that's why I give my advice to anybody. If you see an opportunity, you have an idea, and you think it's different, and you're unsure of it because you can't prove it, that's probably the idea you should be trying because you might be the person to prove it, right? Yeah. Like Will Smith in that situation. He proves you can be a star, you can do a Netflix movie, and it's not going to hurt your movie career. Yeah. Um, where I think, like you said, back back you know, 15 years ago, doing something that didn't go to theaters, you could not do. It would hurt your career. Yeah. But you know, times have changed. No, that's that's so true, and I mean it's definitely pretty cool to see that different ideas are open to be to you know be interpreted or open to uh, be created. You know, yeah. so it's exciting to see. No, man, but I mean, I don't want to keep you up all day, man. But this is a great talk. I yeah. think um, we had a good time today. <laughs> Hopefully, we get together again and do this again maybe next week. Um, but before we go, I mean, was there anything you wanted to mention or? Nah, this was this was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, hopefully, they can't tell how nervous I am by speak by hearing my voice. Oh, no, but man. Uh, it's pretty. It was good. I liked it. It was just fun. Now, that's good, man. I keep recommending to people that I see. You know, I mean, if you're listening to this, you came this far. Thank you so much for listening. But again, like you just get your cell phone or you sit down with your friends or family. It is so fun to record these things throughout the week. I'm going to listen to this conversation again and think back and have fun. It's going to put a smile on my face. So I feel like podcasting is like therapeutic. Again, like I didn't understand podcasting and what it was, right? I thought... I have nothing to talk about. But then meanwhile, I'm talking to my friends all the time about all kinds of things. And then other people are like, I wish I would have heard that conversation, right? Or once we have that conversation, you try to retell the story. It doesn't have the same energy. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I think podcasting is fun. Uh, thank you so much for taking out the time to uh, to do this with me. And again, I hope hopefully we do many more, man. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, no problem. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, I am Sammy Rye. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys have a great week. And we will be back again, hopefully, for you sometime in the near future, right? You guys take care, man. Peace.